Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, this evening, we will be looking at and praying one of the most beautiful, beautiful passages of the sacred scriptures. And that is the last chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes or Koheleth. I love wisdom literature. It is so beautiful because it does not speak with the power of divine authority as the prophet does. Once you can say, thus says the Lord, you don't have to have beautiful writing. You just listen to what the Lord says. But wisdom literature is so important because it reaches out to people with no faith who do not believe in the Lord who says to the prophets. And so because it does that, it must hook them with beauty. And so it does with us. But the power and the majesty of the language grabs, pulls together, and draws us in so that we can come to the deeper wisdom. And the passage this evening, like the one that we didn't do last month because I was uh, away getting this uh, eyes fixed, um, is stunningly beautiful. And it is also profoundly relevant to what is meant by life. Last week's passage, last month's, was the famous one that was actually put to a popular song. There's a time for this and a time for that and back and forth. The fact that the world goes around and around. This is the one about the end of life and the reality that we all grow older. The book of Ecclesiastes is short and magnificent. It was written, we don't know when, probably in the 300s or so BC, maybe a bit before that. It was written by a teacher, a person who leads the community, gives them guidance, also a teacher of young people. And that's what the wisdom literature is largely designed for. It's designed to help, help us when we're young to, to learn about life from one who's a bit farther down the path. And in that way, to not have to learn everything through experience. Experience is a bitter teacher sometimes. If we can get it out of a book, it's all for the good. And so wisdom literature is very much to speak to young people and to all people about the reality of life. I often think, although I know nothing at all about baseball, uh, I often think of the saying, reality bats last. That ultimately, when we live in a world of illusion, we are doomed and we will pay bitterly for it. And in this world in which we live right now, a world of great illusion, where things which are so fundamental are all messed up and scrambled, where popular society thinks, as obvious, things that are insane and mad. In this world where everything is shifting and moving and the walls begin to shift and all that, everything is fluid and relative, we need to have wisdom, wisdom to see the path, to come and understand what is real and what is a mirage, because only in that do we find our way home. And so that's why this year I've been concentrating and using passages from the wisdom literature for our Nexo Divina. Now, one thing that uh, people cannot avoid, although we try through cosmetics and exercise and things like that, is getting older. Indeed, one thing that people can't avoid is death, although we use all kinds of language to I don't think you ever hear anyone dies anymore. They 
pass or something like that. They, whatever. Uh, they go to the great beyond or whatever. We, we like, we flee from the fact that we live and we die. And in fact, death and growing older and ultimately death is part of life. It's one of the normal areas of life. So it's good for young people to know this because when you're, um, you know, when you're 17, you have a different view on life than when you're 71. You don't, when you get older, you know, you discover muscles you didn't know you had when you were younger. All kinds of things. The body begins to speak to you in interesting ways. Um, and so you maybe are given a little bit of awareness of, of what's up. But this sense that we pass through life from being a baby, a child, teenager, young adult, older, older, and finally very old, and then death, that is profoundly important that we understand that. That's normal. That's reality. We can't hide from it. You know, you can't run and you can't hide. It's what it is. And so if it is what it is, we need to think about it and see it in the light of God's providence. I remember seeing once a it's kind of like it must be a commercial. I don't know what it would possibly advertise. It's only about 40 seconds long. Where you see a baby being born in a hospital, then the baby kind of shoots out through the window, and as you see, through all the modern technology, how they can do this, it becomes a child, becomes a teenager, becomes a young adult, becomes older, becomes older and older, then ends up in the cemetery with a little stone over top. It's whoosh, like that. That's a pretty dramatic way of putting it. There are more beautiful ways, however, and there are two that I know of in history which are stunningly beautiful in language and immensely real. And so both of them are inspired, one humanly inspired, the other divinely inspired as well as humanly. So I'll just read them now. They're both beautiful. One of them is from Shakespeare and the other is the passage we'll pray tonight. They are the two fundamental passages on this reality which we all need to be in touch with if we're going to be grounded in the humus of humility and in the wisdom that allows us to see what is and what is not. So the first is from As You Like It. Uh, it is the famous speech on the seven ages of man. All the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances and one man in his time plays many parts his acts being seven ages. At first the infant, muling and puking in the nurse's arms, then the whining schoolboy with his satchel and shining morning face, creeping like a snail unwillingly to school. Then the lover, sighing like a furnace, with a woeful ballad made to his mistress' eyebrow. Then a soldier, full of strange oaths and bearded like the pard, jealous in honor, sudden and quick in quarrel, seeking the bubble reputation, even in the cannon's mouth. And then the justice, in fair round belly with good cape unlined, with eyes severe and beard of formal cut, full of wise saws and modern instances, and so he plays his part. The sixth age shifts into the lean and slippered pantaloon with spectacles on nose and pouch on side, his youthful hose well saved, a world too wide for his shrunk shank. That his big manly voice turning again towards childish treble, pipes and whistles in his sound. 
Last scene of all that ends this strange, eventful history is second childishness in mere oblivion. Sans teeth, sans eyes, sans tastes, sans everything. And so this is, uh, this is real. It is something upon which we need to meditate day by day that we might live to the full. Each day, celebrate the sacrament of the present moment as we change and transform on our way home to the home of the Heavenly Father. And so this passage is the last portion of the book of Ecclesiastes, and it speaks of similar themes. It uses poetic images to speak about the way we change till finally we come before the Lord. The last section, which I'll also have today, is a little thing added on about some other things about life and also about something that anyone who's a student will know and who's involved in a lot of reading and writing about how wearying it is to write and to do academic labor. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to help each one of us to let go of those things within our hearts that keep us from you especially those sources of illusion which befuddle and fog our minds so that we cannot see clearly where you have put us in this stage of our life. Free us from illusion, O Lord, and help us see things as they are. Lord, free us from those sins that burden us and weigh us down, that are a barrier to you as you come through the pathway to our hearts. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy in me, a sinner. Speak, Lord, your servant, is listening. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw nigh when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those that look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the voice of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low they are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, and the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because a man goes to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, and the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, 
and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find pleasing words, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The sayings of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings which are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Remember also your Creator. In the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw nigh, when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw nigh, when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. As we begin our life, we experience the richness and fullness of the human condition, all that is there before us. And that is something that is profoundly joyful and important. But also important to it is wisdom. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth and indeed throughout life. We need to understand the context within which we live. Because if we focus upon the experience of the moment, however joyful it may seem, without seeing it in the context of divine providence and of the whole of our life on earth and beyond, then it is vanity of vanities, as the preacher says throughout this book, as he ends this book, vanity of vanities. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come the years draw nigh when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. This is sort of like the uh, with people who pray the divine office. There's a psalm we pray at Compline just before we go to bed on Friday. They always think it's sort of interesting because it's a psalm that ends with the words, my one companion is darkness. And you should say after that, have a nice day, then like that. But it is true that I think sometimes if we can, we're called to celebrate the beauty of life. Look at the book, another book of wisdom, the Song of Songs, filled with the sweetness of life. That's why no one book of the Bible should be taken on its own, out of context. We need joy, we need to celebrate. All is good, God created everything and it is good. So that's why we need to read the whole of sacred scripture. But one piece of it we need to have as well is to be aware of the vanity of life and that there are times at least in life when the evil days come. We cannot expect to be sort of sailing along from triumph to triumph. We're gonna face those times 
when the evil days come. All of us do, sometimes at different times. Some people face this early on, not just at the end of life. Although what he is speaking about largely is that as your human powers begin to fail, one can obviously look upon that as an evil. Much better to look upon it, really, as simply where we are. Where we are at this moment is where God has put us, whatever it may be, whatever that involves. But we need to be aware, in case we get too puffed up by temporary experiences of strength and wealth and health, that it's not going to last. And therefore, it's prudent and wise to think about what lies ahead. Not too much, but to think about it a bit. The book of Ecclesiastes is sort of like turpentine. It kind of, you pour it on the chair that needs to be repainted to get rid of all the old paint. And then you can put on fresh paint. It's not the only thing, but it's needed to kind of get rid of some things that prevent us from seeing life in all clarity that we need. So it is severe. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Remember why you've got time. Better think then. Before the evil days come and the years draw nigh, when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Let's think about that. Think as wherever we are in life, let's reflect on how we celebrate and cherish the present moment how we encounter the Creator, our Heavenly Father, in this moment, as we will at every moment until we die, as we will when we are strong, and as we will when we are weak. Strong or weak, we are each filled with dignity, but we, it's a different experience. That's why I'm sometimes uh, troubled a bit by things like, be strong. Well, sometimes people are strong and sometimes they aren't. And it really is not fundamentally relevant. What we need to do, strong or weak, good or bad, sickness or health, whatever, is remember our creator and know who we are. Let's just reflect on that for a moment. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw nigh, when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent, and grinders cease because they are few, and those that look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut. This may refer to a household where things are beginning to fall apart, but it also may refer to the human body, probably does, at least to some degree. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, when we no longer can see so clearly, when things become dark, and the clouds return after the rain. That's sort of like right now, tonight, with the rain coming down, the clouds return after the rain. We can't always have, shall we say, sunny days. 
or sunny ways. We think that's what's what. Um, I think we may be in, what should we call it, illusion. Life must be seen real, true, as it is. And so there is much suffering. This is close to, in the Old Testament, long before the Lord, this is close to an experience of the cross of Jesus Christ. We reflect upon the fact that through this suffering, we come, if we are willing to imitate Christ, to a deeper understanding of what is truly there. And even though the rains come after, the clouds come after the rain, if we are there in the presence of the Lord and remember the Creator in the days of our youth and throughout our, youth, our life, then we are with Him and we are there where we're meant to be in the presence of God. And these things that come and go and the falling apart of our physical strength is not so important. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the days when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few, it probably refers to the legs, the teeth, things like that. The grinders cease because they are few. It could be a house and a sort of a wealthy sort of a state that is falling apart because various people are just disappearing. But it could also be probably simply the fact that things begin to fall apart over time, as Shakespeare talked about in, in his reflection on these same ideas. And so when that's happening, we need to think deeply. Does that mean a lot? Is that all that matters in life? This is one of the, the great forces pressing for euthanasia in our, our country. One is the fear of pain, and that's why we need to be sure that palliative care is made available to people, not just 30%, but everybody, to deal with physical pain and the pain of the spirit, loneliness. And we, can, we don't need hospitals for that. We need ourselves to reach out in love. And sometimes it's fear of pain, sometimes it's fear as these things happen, that be described here, it's sometimes the fear of being a burden, a burden. When the grinders are not so much and I can't, I don't, I'm not strong, be strong. That seemed to be a value, you know? We promote it in our society, live strong. Well, if you don't live strong, what do you do? That not everybody can, especially as you get older, but even people who are younger don't always live strong. They often are frail. Do we just dispose of them because they can't keep up anymore? Are they a burden? That is a fear, a burden. But none of us is a burden. Even when the grinders are few and the strong it gets weaker and all those things and the rain comes after, the clouds come after the rain, what I am in the sight of God, that I am indeed, no, no more, no less. I often think of that poster. I, I just can visualize it a bit. It's a long time ago. I even forget where it came from. There's a young man carrying another young man who is obviously unable to walk. 
And the, the caption is, he's not heavy, he's my brother. He's not a burden, he's my brother. That's what this is talking about. When these things begin to give way, we shouldn't think that we are a burden. And the other thing which I've heard, and I've been meeting a lot of people about euthanasia, politicians and others, and one politician said, basically, you know, when you can live up to the mark, boom, in other words, the days of your youth, when you can sing and dance and run and play, and maybe if you're wealthy, you can jet here and jet there and jet somewhere else. You are strong. That's good. But when you can no longer do that, it's time, life has no meaning then. If I no longer have autonomy, my ability to be in charge, to be strong, take care of myself completely, to be independent, then what's the point of continuing if I lose that? That is in many ways the strongest force pushing the cold hand of euthanasia down upon our country. This sense of the need to be independent, but none of us is independent. We're most aware of it when we're babies and when we're older, when we can longer do what we used to do. We're interdependent. Just as at the very heart of the Blessed Trinity, we have the love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So too, in our life, we need one another. And we need it also when we're in the middle years, too. We just don't realize it in those years when we think we can kind of just take care of it ourselves. Don't worry, I'll take care of that. I'm strong. Well, no, we're not strong, really. And when we come to what this says is correctly inevitable, and the grinders are fewer, and the strong begins to get weaker and bent over and so on, and the light becomes dim, we obviously need other people. And that is known as love. It's what we're here for, to care for one another, to be interdependent, not independent. To be independent is ultimately the definition of hell, to be self-absorbed. There's a famous image, I forget how it works, that, you know, there's a banquet, person taken to two banquets. One of them, each one enormously long spoons and forks. And one of the people are frustrated banging these things, they can't fit them in their mouth. That's hell. It's everyone trying to do it on their own. The other one, they got exactly the same food, exactly the same utensils, but they're feeding one another. That's heaven. And so this turpentine of Ecclesiastes should burn away and clear away that sense that we ever are independent or that that is what life is about. Because this is what happens. In the days when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look through the windows are dimmed. And the doors to the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low. And one rises up at the voice of a bird 
several times during the night? That's not in the sacred scriptures, but that's just life. And all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high. And terrors are in the way. And the almond tree blossoms. And the grasshopper drags itself along. And desire fails. Because man goes to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. This is life. It's reality. And each one of us needs to live it as we do when we are in the earlier stages or the later stages or any time, really. Interdependent, loving one another, just more obviously needing help when the old body begins to give out. And it gives a great occasion for those who are frail and more frail and even frailer still to be graciously thankful to all those good people who help them. And it gives a great, great occasion to all of us when we see people who are frail and frailer and frailest and getting more so to reach out and help and to be a web of love. This doesn't require the gazillions of dollars to build a mighty hospital and stuff like that or the develop pain relievers, things like that. Those are also part of life. They're good, they're technology. This is free, and it's what we're here for. But we first have to recognize what's what, where we are. And this is where we are. It's, you know, it's just like uh, Yeats, who was uh, in some ways pretty wise, the poet, he put on his tombstone, cast a cold eye on life, on death, horsemen, ride on. This is it. See things as they are. It's so much better than living in illusion. So this is, I mean, it's kind of brisk. I don't think I'd recommend reading this all the time. Every day we meditate on this. This is sort of maybe every once in a while we should read this, especially if we're puffed up and saying, be strong, be strong. Hmm, I'm strong. I say, uh, by the way, uh, I think um, chapter 12, book of Ecclesiastes, give it a read. It's amazing. What is the thing, the stone angel? There's a wonderful, I forget who wrote it, Margaret Lawrence, or I get them wrong. But anyway, I remember when I was reading it once, and there are three levels of age in that. There's a little child, little girl, and her old grandmother, and then the middle-aged people in the middle. And the two who speak most, who understand one another, are the very old and the very young, because both of them are not taken seriously. And they're both kind of treated secondarily, whereas the people in the middle are strong. So this is sort of what this is talking about, I think. So maybe let's just say to the Lord, ask the Lord, how, how am I facing that in my own life, wherever I am, whatever stage I'm at, and how am I responding and noticing people around me who are perhaps growing in need for that love and help, which helps them but helps me even more if I give it?
before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, so many toys, so many toys, but the silver cord, so beautiful, will be snapped, and the golden bowl we spent so much on will be broken. What's the point? We think, you know, of all the things we surround ourselves with. Uh, it's like the Roman army on the march. It got into trouble. It got ambushed several times. I think of uh, once in Germany, the whole three religions got wiped out because it couldn't move quickly. It had a lot of impedimenta. Baggage train slowed it down. And we really have to think about that. We're just passing through. Cardinal Dolan, in his book, one of his books, um, somewhere anyway, he said when he was a young priest going from Washington back to his own hometown, he'd stop halfway at a rectory. And he described um, he was very edified by the pastor who seemed to have very few possessions, very few things. And of course, he had a suitcase he was traveling through. And he said to the pastor, I'm really impressed. You don't have a lot of things, a lot of silver cords and golden bowls, you know? You don't have a lot of things. And the pastor said, well, you don't either. You just got a suitcase. And Father Dolan said to him, but I'm just passing through. And the pastor replied, well, aren't we all? Well, aren't we all? That's when we need Ecclesiastes, Scoheleth, the preacher to give us a little puncture our balloons, poof, like that. Again, not all the time, but we need it. Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is broken at the fountain, things are falling apart. Or the wheel, the water wheel broken at the, the cistern doesn't work anymore. It's fallen off its thing. It just doesn't work. And the dust returns to the earth as it was. Well, that's why I always, although you're supposed to say repent and believe in the gospel, there's something much more New Testament-y. I always say on Ash Wednesday, Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And then, wah, wah, you know. You could say, away with silver bowls or silver cords and golden bowls. Don't trust in them. Dust. However, too, too dramatic is not approved by the liturgist, so just a simple is sufficient. And the dust returns, and the Spirit of God, the Spirit returns to God who gave it. This is, brings us, touches us in a little bit with another book. These are two books you should not read on a cloudy day, so maybe, I don't know, is the book of Job and Ecclesiastes. These are books for sunny days, having spoken about sunny days already. I don't know why that term is in my mind, sunny days. These are books that should be read then because they kind of bring us back to reality when we are too uh, kind of, uh, you know, floating. 
but they are real. We need to be aware of them then. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. The book of Job, remember, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There we are. We have such a, a need to set the agenda of life. But really, who knows? Any one of us could just, you know, drop dead tomorrow. Um, that's why, you know, I think it's, uh, there's a famous, I think I've talked this before, but I've probably, it, it, there's the thing, you know, in a lot of rectories, a lot of sacristies, they say, priest of God, celebrate this mass as if it is your first mass, as if it were your last mass, as if it were your only mass. And we should have in our hearts the saying, Christian, live this day as if it were your first day, your last day, your only day. Then live it to the full. So these thoughts of mortality and these thoughts of frailty and fragility are not depressing, except to a person who simply is, has no faith. They're actually extraordinary. They strip away our illusions, and what's left is not nothing. What's left is the love of God. The Spirit returns to God who gave it. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, you know, you have to, we have to look at these things. Who knows? You know, you never know what the, you know, what might happen, what the doctor may tell you or whatever. You never know. Whatever it is, if it is what is, it is. Now, move on. Deal with it. This is brisk, but we need more of that. Uh, snowflakes don't survive. We're not meant to be tough. We're not meant to be strong and self, autonomously self, you know, mm, me. But we're also not meant to be living in fog, illusion, and flutter and clutter. We're meant to see things as they are in the light of God. There you are. And the famous line repeated at the beginning and the end of the book and all the way through the book, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. It's the Hebrew, havel havelim, hakol havel. It is vanity, there's so many different, absurdity of absurdities, all is absurdity, but what it means is a vision. It's, a, it's not vanity in the sense of looking at the mirror all the time. Haval, this is breath, breath. Like, you can't even see it, there's not much there. I guess in Canada we see it in the cold weather, but it's not much there. It's just puff, breath, breath of breaths. Robert Alter has a translation that says, breath, merest breath, mere breath, mere breath, merest breath, all is merest breath, just So what the things we think and we put our life on, uh, we balance and you know, we give everything for are often just Puff. That's all they are. It's another image, sort of like dust. And so we need to think about that and then think of what is not mere breath. What is deep and true and alive and fills us with joy. For if we strip away the paint from the old chair, the point is not to simply strip away the old, it is to prepare the way for new life, repaint it, let it shine. I think it was uh, Ben Franklin, who's not exactly the most orthodox Christian theologian, 
somewhere he had, I think, of his sort of epitaph. He was a, he was a printer. And I wish I could remember it exactly. I read a book on memory once by, I forget who, uh, I wish I had finished it, but I can't. But anyway, Ben Franklin said something like, here is Ben Franklin, a book falling apart, pages coming out, binding falling out and you know, ripped apart, printing smudged, soon to be reissued in a new edition with beautiful print, new binding, fresh engraving. That's, I think, what he's talking about. The last part is simply a lot of good stuff, but it's not as profound as the first. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. They're not the same thing. Weighing and studying and arranging Proverbs with great care. Well, we have to do more than that, but it helps. Proverbs, the trouble with Proverbs, if they're really good, they, they, you can't use them always. You have to use a little judgment, like, look before you leap. He who hesitates is lost, which is right. Well, it just depends. You've got to know the situation. The preacher sought to find pleasing words, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. He sought to find pleasing words. A spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down, as it says in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 2, or something like that. Not quite. But pleasing words, not pleasing because they are false and they give us a false sense and illusion of truth, Sometimes people seek to please that way. That's not real. But pleasing in the sense that they use the gift of language well. It is a gift that God has given to us. So much so that the very image for the Lord is the word. But they are pleasing if they are words of truth. When we're in a society, when they call lethal injection, medical assistance in dying, let us all say every day, let language not be Let's not strip the gears in the English language. What is, is, look at it in the eye, and if you can live with it, live with it, but don't cover it over with the glossy stuff that is false. Speak truly. If we, whenever we're covering over something, like, you know, if someone says, you meet an old, former classmate from years and years ago in school and says, I haven't seen you for years. And the classmate says, well, I've spent uh, 20 years as an involuntary guest of Her Majesty the Queen because of uh, an unauthorized uh, withdrawal of liquid assets from a financial institution. Oh, you've been in jail for 20 years because you robbed a bank. Well, yes, if you must say so. So speak words of truth. The sayings of the wise are like goads, certainly Ecclesiastes, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings which are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there's no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. So true. Remember I once said to some little kid, what grade did you go in? I said, I went to grade 26. I don't recommend it. But anyway, you know, much study, there's a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard, fear God, keep his commandments. There we are. 
That is the whole duty of man, for God will bring every deed into judgment and with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw nigh, when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent, the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look through the windows are dimmed, the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the voice of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find pleasing words and uprightly, he wrote words of truth. The sayings of the wise are like goads and like nails, firmly fixed are the collected sayings which are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end, amen. 
In the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.